Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Hurst joins us for this episode, and the information that she provides is beyond valuable. Uh, we have a discussion describing, again, her her local town and her local school district and the communism that has been infiltrated within that area. She brings us up to date on new revelations of what's been going on, and we discuss back and forth on how to take back freedom and independence within such a school district. And it does have to start with the school boards. It does have to start with removing school board members. And we, we go back and forth on that as she also provides a ton of other information about teacher morale, student morale, um, not gaining the perceptions of students about what they think about this communistic plan that's being rolled out and a variety of other topics. But please stick around for the entire episode and certainly give us a, give it a listen and, and pass it around wherever you can. With that said, there is something that needs to be brought up to at the beginning of this. And for those of you that listen to this podcast know that this is true, but I don't spend any time talking about my own books on this podcast. And I've written eight of them, but I don't bring them up uh, with, with any regularity whatsoever. But there is one that, that is now sticking out to me more and more as, as I continue to have these conversations with, with people and the, the more and more reporting that I just do on, on what's going on. And, and the, the constant theme is, is that there is a giant lack of knowledge regarding the history of American education, where it came from, its nefarious ties, its nefarious background in particular at the turn of the of the 19th century into the 20th century. And I wrote a book that's titled Purposeful Deception, The Inside Plan to Communize and Destroy American K-12 Education. Inside of that book, it reads essentially in chronological order while providing an inside look as to what goes on within school districts. It's not a thick book. It's 170 pages maybe, and it's $9 on Amazon. So I'm going to link that Amazon link in the description below of this podcast. I'm also going to link the BitChute channel that I have just for that book. So if you're unfamiliar with BitChute, it's a video platform where the truth gets told because it's not on YouTube. In fact, YouTube itself has now openly come out and said, and they, and they did this, it's slightly off topic, but not really. They've, they've just come out and said, if you are saying anything about election fraud and the stolen election of 2020 on any video on YouTube, we're destroying your channel. We're destroying the videos and we're destroying your channel because we're not going to do that on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, that's censorship. So the videos that are inside of Purposeful Deception in chronological order are on the BitChute channel, Purposeful Deception book. I'm going to link that uh, that web link in the description below also. So if you were just inclined and felt like watching the videos that I have laid out there, you can do that too. Um, it's going to help to read the book, but if you want uh, a historically accurate description of American K-12 education in a, in a brief nutshell, that would be an excellent resource for you because, again, it's the knowledge that we gain that armors us appropriately so that we know what we're going up against and we know what we're fighting against. 
So again, with all of that said, I'm also going to link in the description the most recent uh, board meeting that Vanessa Hurst attended on May 18th, and I'll link that as well in the description and check that out. So with all of that said, here's our conversation with Vanessa. After the Bloomfield principal resigned, there were a, there was a lot of outrage from Bloomfield community, obviously. Um, he was a really good principal, and they they he had a lot of support. So, I mean, parents really kicked it up a notch and started really diving into um, numbers and data and and all all sorts of the aspects of school or our district's culture, work environment, um, and they really really put a lot of work to bring all of this together. And it was a very organized effort. Um, there were, um, there were a group of us, you know, specifically that were in contact with each other the whole time and, um, and pulling information from different areas and, uh, compiling it and, and making it a cohesive story. And then in the meantime, we still had community meetings going on about the school merger, um, the, the sixth grade through 12th grade merger into taking all four middle schools and merging them into the two high schools. Um, we're still having community meetings about that. They were each community meeting changed. So the first one up was Bloomfield and that was they were completely outraged or that that one particular meeting they were outraged. I think, you know, Obviously, our superintendent learned a lot from that meeting, and then the next one was more subdued, and then the next one was more subdued. By the time it got to the high schools, um, Thomas Nelson High School and Nelson County High School, the meeting format had completely changed. Um, he had brought in um, uh, two principals from other districts um, for each of the high school meetings, so there were four altogether to present what it looks like in their high school or their schools to have the six through 12 structure. Or in one case, there was a, um, a magnet school that was a K through 12 structure and they only had 700 students total through the whole kindergarten through 12th grade school. Um, and then, the, you know, they talked about how it works there, what the culture looks like and, you know, to try. And I guess the point was to show concerned parents that it can work, I guess, was his point. They, so he had them in a Zoom call type meeting on a big screen. Then they also, we were allowed to write questions on a strip of paper to be asked to, to be asked of these principals. Um, I know one instance in particular, he, as Mr. Bradley was reading the, uh, the question, he didn't read it correctly. He kind of omitted a few things. He did not ask exactly what the parent had wrote on a piece of paper. So um, that parent was a little particularly irritated about that, understandably. Um, do you know, and then, do you, do you oh, know go ahead. I was just going to say just real quick, do you know what was written on it, what question she was really meaning to ask? I don't because I had, I had come into the meeting a little late and I had heard just afterward what, um, what had transpired. Okay. But, um, Anyway, so the next thing that he would do is we would break out into small groups rather than an open mic where everyone can hear the questions being asked um, and he, he's there in front of everyone having to answer them. We went into small groups and talked to different district employees about our questions if we wanted to. Um, 
and and a few people did that and then mr bradley was at the front of the cafeteria where he was taking questions as well and he wanted to kind of keep a rotation going he kept trying to encourage us to rotate but a group of us kind of just hung together and you know talked about what's going on what each of us had kind of pulled together information different things that were happening and then we kind of took over his small group um we all kind of moved over there and started asking him some questions and of course you know the the questions are answered in a roundabout way and then somebody would you know, well, you didn't answer that question. Can you go back to that? And he would interrupt people because they had already asked a question and then have somebody else ask a question. There were, I was really impressed though. There were two high school girls there who were really pushing him about how do high school, you haven't asked how high schoolers feel about this. Why can't we have a survey for high schoolers to see how they feel about merging with the middle schools? And he kept dancing Well, You could put your input. It's very important. It's very valuable. She's like, no, I want a survey. I want our student population to be able to voice how we feel about this. She says, and I want everyone to have a chance to do that. And he, again, he would not, would not say that he would put out a survey. And then another high school student had done her research about the mental health aspect of having young children in with high school age students. And uh, she really presented a really good argument. And then he assigned her to do research with her principal and come to, er, and, and compile the information and, and data to present to the board about mental health aspect of this. <laughs> so he completely deflected it onto a high school student to do the research, to do the work. That's, that's totally inappropriate. Um, and then working on his behalf, I'm sure. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right. And there's there's more on that later. Um, <laughs> but so so the meetings, so the high school meetings, that's kind of how that went. And those two high school meetings were the last community meetings, community discussion. Then the district took all of our concerns and compiled it into what they thought were our concerns and priorities. And that was present, that paperwork was presented to us on, um, uh, or at the board meeting in a, uh, a little handout they had for us. So, and you can see where, you know, like they listened to the high schooler who was the only one who brought up the mental health aspect of, of these young students being mixed in with high school age students. So they, they gave us this printout. And of course you've seen what these things look like. It's just, it, it's all over the place. But community discussion reflection is what it's named. Um, emerging priorities from our community. And tell me if this sounds like anything that you've been hearing from the meetings that you watch. Middle school is a time of learning, growth, and development. Mental health and student safety are the most important to growth and success during this time. That's concerns. And it has priority. Ensure safe structures, strong school culture, healthy relationships are at the forefront of planning process. Unite students, teachers, and families at the table to ensure safety and mental health are number one priority. So like it goes through, and there's dozens of these concerns versus priorities and whatever. Um, and then it talks about four forces, reactive or proactive. And then it, you know, the changing workforce, community engagement, Nelson County's changing population, learning will occur everywhere. This one gets me. 
he's wanting to consolidate these schools and put them into a more centralized location. And this is his argument. This is their argument on, on, on written on this paper. Current forces, virtual and decentralized learning have rapidly increased over the past year. Technology will continue to improve access and opportunities for students. Schools must take the lead in supporting high quality virtual resources. What are their proactive steps that they have listed here with that? Provide high quality and flexible in-person and virtual learning experiences on our two secondary campuses. Ensure school size allows us to know, see, and care for each student's needs. And then it says they'll, they'll have roughly 175 students in a grade per school. So their current forces are that virtual and decentralized learning have rapidly increased over the past year. And they're, they're saying, you know, well, technology is helping us and we're have, we have more virtual learning, yet they're going to centralize it and that's going to help. I, 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 their arguments just don't make any sense. Um, and I have yet to hear the word, I have yet to hear the word academics, reading, literacy, any of those things. You know, just to just to go backwards for a second, when when he's describing what he believes to be the top priorities of the area, mm-hmm. it's beyond evident that uh, that those pri- that those priorities again are, are are surrounded with the word experience, not learning. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah. yeah. And and uh, we've spoken about this before, but that right there is sort of the uh, the dogmatic verbiage of a Marxist is that they, they they use the word experience as if to say they just need to watch stuff they just need to they just need to listen to stuff none of it's organized none of it has anything to do with real academic rigor which is going to help them of course throughout life it's just mm-hmm. about sort of uh, playing follow the leader and that leader is going to just toss them right off a cliff yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely um, yeah, it, it's definitely about the looks and the experience, and there is very little focus on on um, actual learning. In fact, um, to kind of go into some of the workforce development stuff that they have going on, we currently their their goal is to have ninety percent of students or of juniors and uh, seniors in our high schools in the workforce program. Now, what does that mean? Um, so normally you would think of the workforce, uh, work-based learning programs, you know, like a co-op where you have a high school student. My husband was in a co-op when he was um, in high school, his senior year. He would go half a day to his classes. The other half um, around lunch, he would go to the area technology center, um, take his courses on welding, and, and then he would go to work at a welding manufacturing play, uh, company. He works for that same company now, 20-some years later, um, which, yeah, so, so yes, it works. The, the co-oping, it works, and, and it could be a great thing for some students. But the way they're doing it here, they have what they call, they have the traditional co-op, and, and that works for manufacturing, and, it, and it, it, it works toward, you know, some, maybe, they used to have AutoCAD program. They got rid of that recently. Uh, which was devastating to a lot of students. Then, and they may also have some healthcare uh, co-oping. 
now I'm going to call it co-opting because I've heard the word collab so much. It just makes me sick. And, but anyway, so you get into this work-based learning stuff and you learn, you know, they now have these things they're calling collabs where they have all these different forces and industries and, um, areas of education pulling together to make a agriculture collab, to make a um, healthcare collab, to make an engineering collab, to make a aerospace collab. They're really proud of their aerospace collab, even though only about six students get to participate in it. So you have these different collabs going on. They're claiming that they're going to have 90% of students in this workforce development or in this work-based learning. Um, program in their high, in the high schools. What's happening or what has happened this past year, we have students going to work three full days a week and then they're in class two days a week. Now the ones that are going in person are going to the school building and then there are students that are still doing virtual, not even by their choice a lot of times. They were told that they shouldn't, that they're not coming back to the building and that they have to finish the rest of their course online. One student in particular that I've, I, I know of firsthand has finished his course. He's done with school and all he's doing is working. Working. Wow. So, and, and these jobs are not traditional co-op jobs. They're not working toward a career that they, you know, like my husband has where he's still working in the same company 22 years later. They're doing, um, they're doing fast food. They're working at Long John Silver's. They're working at Walmart. They're working at a car wash. It's all over the place. And, and these students are spending time where they should be in school learning. They're, they're, they're learning from the fast food industry. It's crazy. And as we both know, it's being done on purpose to... And, I, and it's no insult to the students themselves, but it's being done on purpose to dumb people down, to keep them at a particular level so that they don't gain more literacy skills and study skills and academic skills so that even if they wanted to apply to a college or university, they wouldn't be able to fill out the application, let alone the writing requirements to mm -hmm. enter successfully um, a, you know, a college institution, whether it be a Christian institution or, you know, one of the large Marxist schools, uh, they wouldn't even have the skills to, to fill out the forms, let alone if they were to actually get in, uh, they wouldn't stand a chance because the academic rigor there is daily, constant for multiple years. So, I mean, then they would end up dropping out, they would have debt. They wouldn't have any skills other than to revert back to the one thing that they were previously introduced to, which is fast food. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it really is. I got to tell you, I mean, this is bothering me. It really is bothering me. This is this is um, this is it's it's beyond satanic here, and it's beyond perverse. This is. Um, this is creating generations of individuals, if not a singular generation, of, of people that aren't going to have the skills to leave where they currently are if they choose to do so. That is another thing that they keep saying 
over and over again and all of this push and see we're supposed to be talking in these community meetings something that i find very interesting is that we're supposed to be talking about merging the middle school and high school but what keeps coming up is how great this workforce development program is i have done a little homework on it i have submitted open record requests and let me tell you some of the things that i find in there are, are quite disturbing and that i found are quite disturbing i mean aside from all the just just the the data and the, the individual stories that I've heard from from high schoolers but you know you have you, you go a little bit deeper into it and you start hearing things like talent pipeline management it doesn't take <laughs> <laughs> wow mm. wow and yes <laughs> they're not even hiding the communism anymore well and here's the thing are though. they using are you are they saying conveyor belt and meat grinder yet I mean are they at that point? <laughs> Oh well, it's um. Wow, it's it's the, it, they're using a supply chain concept and applying it to talent pipeline. Talent. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they're not human beings anymore. They're just talent. They're supply chain. They're Su- supplies. Oh oh wow. Now and, and you say Mark, you know this is Marxist and. Yes, but I wouldn't even say that because at least Marxists have had the illusion of caring about the labor force. Oh, but the illusion yeah. part, that's the thing. Yeah, the illusion, yes. They had that <laughs> illusion. Like, at this yeah. point, they just, it, it's just open, blatant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody will do the same thing all the time, and, and we're going to get you as young as we can and then ingrain oh. it in you so that you don't know anything else. Yes, that's well, brainwashing. And and they they consistently say that we want to keep these individuals in our community, contributing to our community, you know, and keep this talent here in in our community. That's what they say in these in in these community discussions and meetings and presentations about this stuff. I'm going to tell you something too. You know, I, I I'm thinking about this more and more, as you might expect, and I know you are too. And you're on it. You're on it a hundred percent. Which you need to be uh, very proud of what you've done here, because this is remarkably important. And I know that you're waking up a lot of people uh, with with what you're what you've been discussing on on both this podcast and then in the in person meetings, and that's beyond admirable. Uh, I, d- I can't help but think of, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's movie, The Village. It's like, uh, it's a bit like, and, and, and I'm not saying that that's where you live. That's not, that's not it. I'm saying that he's bringing that mentality, the superintendent and his cronies and the people around him and the money and the corrupt Zuckerberg uh, connections. And you mentioned something about the United States Department of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce. There you go. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that they're the ones building the wall around the youth in that area. Mm -hmm. And then they're the ones that are living inside, training the youth that the outside doesn't exist. Even your town doesn't exist to them. It's just whatever they tell these kids exists. I find it I find it hard to believe, although maybe not, because I, I I don't I'm not very well in tune with the, with the I would say caliber of teacher 
or instructor that exists in you know where where you live and in this district but i find it hard to believe that any morally sound educator would view this as being ethical or uh on point or or correct in any way let alone a veteran teacher who is unfortunately probably seen more changes in the tide than anybody else who would be brand new walking in for the first time. I'm glad you said that, Sean, because I want to read you some data that came out of the board meeting last night. Um, there, there was one parent in particular, or a couple of parents that have gathered so much data, and then one parent compiled it all into some really wonderful graphs and pie charts. And I'm going to read you some of this data that was found. Okay. Average years of teacher experience from, um, there's no data from tw- for 2017-18, but from 2018 to 19, Nelson County had the average years of experience. Nelson County had 11.11 years. Neighboring Bardstown Independent had 13.6. The state average is 12. Um, we also have neighboring schools, Washington County, 13.7. Neighboring LaRue County, 14.1. Spencer County, 11.1. They were right on with um, Nelson County's average. Then we had Bullock County's a little lower at 10.8. And then 11.4 in Harding County. Harding County is rather large. Um, Then we we go over to 2019 and 20. So from uh, 2018-19 to 2019-20, Nelson County went from 11.1 down to 9.8, the lowest among the surrounding counties and school districts. 9.8 years experiences experiences within one year. Uh, We dropped an entire almost two years of experience. So what does that mean? That means experienced teachers left. Um, The state of Kentucky average stayed the same between those two years. Or between that, those yeah, the, those years it was same twelve. Every other district went up slightly in their their years of experience, which they should. You know, you have teachers that are now there another year. Um, then we go down to percent of inexperienced teachers, zero to three years. So in twenty eighteen nineteen, we have the state average at six point nine percent. Um, inexperienced teachers. Nelson County is at 16.7. And then we had Bardstown, 3.2. Washington County, 3. LaRue County, 2.1. So we jump over here. I'm I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to jump over here to the 2019-20 school year. We have the state average went of inexperienced teachers went from 6.9 to 17.6. Then we had Bardstown went from 3.2 up to 7.5. Um, and then let's see, Washington County, they're kind of similar demographics. They went from 3% to 10%. Nelson County went from 16.7% inexperienced teachers to 32.7 within one school year. Wow. Then we move down here to, um, let me see, teacher turnover. I'm just going to skip right to the heart of it all. 
2017 and 18, the state average teacher turnover was 17%. In Nelson County, it was 22%, 22 22.4%. Washington County had a bad year. They had 34.2% teacher turnover. And that was 2017-18. 2018-19, state average, 18.4. Nelson County, 24.7. Then Washington County went down, and it was 12.5. So they did something right. Then we move over here to 2019-20. We have the state average at 18.2. So that's kind of steadily, it, it's kind of staying around the same for the state average. Nelson County jumped up to 31.3% teacher turnover rate. Washington County held kind of steady at 13.4. So we have a very obvious growth in teacher turnover rate percentage. We went from 22.4, 24.7 to 31.3 within a three-year period. We grew, We had that much turnover. And it's and it's easy to get rid of a veteran teacher and make their lives miserable because they because they know what's been going on and they can see what's coming. You know, there's that pattern of thought where they go, "Oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before." You make their lives miserable and then they're gone, or you or you fabricate allegations and then you force them out. It's even easier than that to bring in a young naive individual who wants a paycheck thinks they've you know they've got it all figured out and then before you know it uh they're plugged into the same brainwashing system that was there before they you know that was there before they showed up and they had no idea that it was there yes that's that's exactly that's certainly what's happening i think too but so a few more numbers the um there was a a parent put out a survey where teachers can teachers and district employees and former district employees could answer these survey questions and the only person seeing the answers the only person seeing if they added their name if any of these people added their name to it was this this parent that put out the survey and so she compiled all the information um and this is what came out of that survey um so the person, the, the, how many years have, did you work for Nelson County Schools? Uh, 37% said they worked zero to five. Um, 21% said six to 10. And 18% said 11 to 20, 25, uh, or 13% said 25 plus years. Okay, so you kind of get an idea of who's answering these questions. If a current employee, how satisfied are you with the current work environment? 52.5%. One seven percent said that they were very dissatisfied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you are a former employee. How likely are you to see employment, seek employment with this district again at this time? Sixty-six point six seven percent said very unlikely. Then there were open questions. Do you feel comfortable voicing your concerns and ideas to district administrators? These are the answers. Heavens no. As we are told in faculty meeting, if you call the board, board members, or KEA, you will get a target on your back, and there is nothing I can do to help you. No, they don't listen. Absolutely not. No, 
maybe, no, not without consequences, no, yes, no, if you disagree with a procedure, policy, or philosophy, you are considered anti-Nelson County. Absolutely not. No, have heard that if we publicly oppose the district's visions, we will be in danger of losing our job or position. Not sure if that's true. No way, absolutely not. I would get fired on the spot. I don't believe anyone in, this, in the district administration cares. They are going to do whatever they want, regardless of what others feel or think. Did I mention punishments, threats, and I'll get back to you? Um, no, because they are definitely not what is behind the negative workplace environment. No, there is no confidentiality. There are so many illegal practices I that I believe no one can be trusted. The district office is like a middle school clique and have created a very uncomfortable, unwelcome, unwelcoming environment. No, you fear it will be used against you or your children in the school system. Absolutely not. No way. All we have to do is look at the former employees who dissented. It's, so those were some those are some answers that came out of the survey. Absolutely remarkable. And unfortunately that in itself is a reflection of American K-12 education, a hundred percent. It has absolutely, I'm horrified the extent, how afraid these people are to speak out. I have really good friends that work in the school system and they support me 100%. However, they, and they'll say, you know, I'll go to the meeting with you. And then they, they chicken out at the last minute because they still need their job. They have to pay a mortgage. You know, they have kids they have to feed. And they're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of not being able to get another job if they're pink slipped because that's pretty much, if you're pink slipped, apparently in education, that is the nail in the coffin of your career. Yep. So. Which is why the only, the only out for them would be to resign on their own terms. I mean, exactly. if they wanted out of the of the of that abusive environment, they, then they would have to leave on their own terms before the county ever even sniffs it out. Yeah. But here's here's the crazy thing about this this district. So people leave and they find happy employment somewhere else, but they still can't speak out because if they ever wanted to move up in a position or there's so many connections um, throughout the surrounding counties that uh, they're afraid they're, it, it would ruin their chances because, you know, there's so many backdoor deals that go on and conversations. So nobody's speaking. Nobody that has experienced this stuff firsthand is, is, is trying to speak out because they're terrified. That has, that is, absolutely disgusting to me even people that are retired and have businesses say i want to say something but i'm afraid it's going to hurt my business that's disgusting that is absolutely unacceptable that's unacceptable here in america it's just awful you can't even have an opinion about this stuff without it coming back around to you and and see that's the marxist piece right there that's the bolshevik that's the bolshevik tactic is that if anybody speaks out about it, will crush your business. And it has nothing to do with K-12 education. It has nothing to do with children learning. I mean, they're, they're, 
They're openly admitting, this district is openly admitting that they are controlling children, and by controlling children, they're controlling families. And by doing both of those things, they're controlling the family's businesses and the surrounding businesses and everybody you know. I mean, the only thing they haven't done, although I'm sure metaphorically they're doing it, is creating hit squads that go around and intimidate businesses to comply or else. Well, and that's where that's where these collabs come in and this workforce development. You you look at the they have 130 community partners that are partnering with the school district to have these students work at their business. They're, the school is acting as a temp agency so that these places can have cheap labor. There is a labor crisis in our country, and it's not because we have such high unemployment. It's because we can't fill low-paying jobs. Why can't we fill low-paying jobs? It's not because people don't want to work. It's because people don't want to work for nothing. Right. And so now we're going to fill that gap with our high schoolers. At least that's the answer that I'm seeing this yeah, we'll train district and their partners rolling out. Yeah, we'll train them to work for nothing at a young age so that when they get older, they won't know any different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is that word collaboration is one of those words that has shown up just within the last, again, five, six years and and really just been driven down the throats of, of everybody in the education. Uh, I keep saying the word business, but I, I don't know, it, it just the field of education. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really has very nefarious meaning to it. Again, as you would expect, it essentially means we'll create the illusion that we're all in this together. We'll use the word collaboration a lot, and then it will sound like we're all in this together. When in fact, someone is always in charge, and that person is the one pulling the strings, and that person is telling everybody what to do, and you don't, you, you really don't have a choice. So the word choice isn't going to show up anywhere, um, unless they say it. But of course, they won't mean it. But yeah, in in unfortunately, again, in in higher ed, when you attend these conferences in higher ed, they say the same thing. That they'll say the word collaboration, and the word collaboration will be in every single person's title of their presentation, or every every single person's paper, and. Again, what that means is we all need to agree on the exact same thing and we all need to tug on each other's coattails. And there can't be any individualized thought whatsoever. And again, unfortunately, that's trickling right down to the student population. And, you know, to go back to that survey or the wanted survey from, uh, from the student population, as you know, that will never happen. Because, again, the, the district can say all they want about caring about the students. And, again, we've talked about this too, but he's used that phrase in those videos that we think this is best for students. Mm-hmm. No, no superintendent should ever utter those words. They should never say, here's what we think is best for students or here's what we think is best for your kids. That's the decision of the parent and the family, not government. And again, 
the simple fact that they would never administer such a survey for students to take should be all the indication that anybody needs to know that they don't give a damn about any of you or them. Right. The school board has to go. I mean, the entire school board has to be deep-sixed. And then he has to be deep-sixed, Bradley. And then that district office has to be deep-sixed. I mean, we've, we've all heard the saying, drain the swamp. People have to understand, again, and I know that you do, and a lot of the listeners of this do, but the swamp is right here. It's right under our own feet, right where we live. And... Um, if it doesn't change, then people can't expect anything to get better because they have uh, these people have a plan, and that plan is not good for anybody. Yes, and you know, and they—I've said it before, and and I may not have said it on on this podcast, but I've said it before to other people. The you have to remember these these people these these type of people play the long game. They're not, in, we're all just focused on what's right in front of our face because that's that's the way we're programmed. That's what we do. We live from day to day. But they are playing the long game, like years and years ahead. You know, they're not so, they're not hiding it so much now. Wes Bradley's not hiding it. He keeps saying, what does the future demand of us? Okay, well, he has obviously thought years and years ahead and has started this process years before. And you can see it in how, it, again, New Haven, the canary in the coal mine, how our school continually has resources cut and cut and cut. And then we get a really fantastic principal removed from her position and, you know, and another one replaced that's going to do what he wants when he wants it. And it's destroyed our, the culture of our school. It's destroyed everything. And we are losing teachers who I never, never thought would leave. And, um, the fact that 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 has happened should be a wake-up call to to our parents and yet still there well our kids aren't getting opportunities those opportunities were there what opportunities are they offering anyway has he said what opportunities our kids are going to get that they're not already getting and how that's going they they really don't focus on that their focus has been at these meetings the workforce development stuff aspect of it are they going to really put our middle schoolers on a path to a career and shouldn't that concern any logical thinking parent that they're trying to put our children on a pathway to specific careers. That's disturbing. They're playing the long game and we're not, and we need to. Yeah. And, and fortunately for us, and you said it right there at the start, fortunately for us, we live day to day and we see things on a day to day basis. And again, the day-to-day steps can destroy their long game from the bottom up. It just it just has to start with people running against these monsters on your school board. And I mean all of them. If there's yes. one or if there's one or two people on the board that are, you know, that are against this and they don't like it, nah. They can be bribed, they can be bought, they have to be gone. And those people have to go. And again, people have to start filling out the forms to run against these people. Mm-hmm. And it can be anybody. It can be a former, a former teacher, a former principal, a, a parent, um, 
a local business owner. It, it doesn't matter. It can be anybody, but it has to start right there because, again, they're responsible for the contract of the superintendent. The state is not responsible. I mean, the, the school board hires the superintendent. You know, they, they, they found this guy and they sold him to the community in the area as being a local, a local guy. Well, I grew up here. I grew up here. And that, but, but where did he get his education? Where did he receive his instruction? He received his instruction from the most radical institutions in the United States. In two of the most radical geographic locations you could possibly pick. Columbia, yes. Columbia, New York, and uh, and Illinois, Chicago, Illinois. The only thing he didn't do was vacation in Los Angeles and San Francisco. I mean, if he if he had that on his resume too, I mean, th th those are your final red flags right there. But my God, you know, in in I'll say this too, the the entire program itself, and and we've said this a thousand times, the two of us, but. We, we know that he didn't create it. We know that it was written and pre-programmed and, and simply installed and implemented, and he's the figurehead, and there you have it. But the program itself is, is, is bad from the outside. See, what they're doing is, again, I'm just trying to paint a picture here for, for people, but it would be like trying to sell someone a house, and on the outside of the house, it looks very, very nice. And the person sees the house from a distance, and they get closer to it, and it and it still looks very, very nice. And they say to themselves, oh, this is a really nice house. And they say, well, we'd like to sell it to you. Come on in. And then you go in, and there are no floors. There's no drywall. There are no studs put up. There's nothing there. there it's just the outside facade looks, looks nice and shiny to some people. In this case, however... The outside of it looks like garbage. You know, just because it's eighty some odd pages long, these 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 programs and these PDFs, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just beyond evident that it has nothing to do with academic rigor. And again, that that should be the that should be the biggest red flag for anybody. Because when so, state standardized tests come down, you're not going to have anybody passing anything. Oh, yes. And yes. And those are actually going on this week. So it'll be interesting to see the results from that, especially this past year. And they'll blame COVID. Oh, yes, they will. They're going to use yes. the old COVID excuse. Mm -hmm. They for, already for, have. Yeah, there you go. For, for what's going on now. But see, in the future, they're, they're not going to have an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's going to be their own making and their own doing. But again, by then, it's just too late. You've, you've already hit thousands and thousands and thousands of students. Precisely. And I just want to add one more thing. I, ha I, was, um, I had a recent graduate reach out to me. Um, this, this particular student graduated in 2019. And they, because I had made a comment about the engage the world, change the world book. You remember, you, you read from that book, one of the, the first podcast episodes. Um, and she told me that she was, when she was a junior in high school, she was given a book by one of the people at the central office because she would go to the central office with a group of her, you know, other 
students and they would work on the pride games that they have and, and different other fun stuff um, and then do some work around the office. And a district employee, a central office employee, gave her the book, Deep Learning, Engage the World, Change the World, gave her a copy of that book. That book is not meant for a 16, 17-year-old kid, but she gave it to her and wrote this on the inside. Come do the end possible with us. And then this employee signed it and then wrote on the inside, somebody else wrote the date to one of the meetings that they had with students about this sort of thing that they're doing with them is deep learning, engage the world, change the world. So they're also meeting with students about this stuff. They're passing out books. Deep learning, change, engage the world, change the world. New pedagogies for deep learning. Why are they giving that to children? That should be red flags for parents everywhere. That they're they're targeting your kids who may or may not be interested in going into education and getting them early to learn about what this deep learning is, what this, you know, what is this all about? You know, and it's exciting for them because who doesn't want to change the world when they're 17? But my God, this stuff is is frightening and and like you 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 broke it down very well in your first podcast about this that it's it is really it's it's very flowery marxist language is is all i can say <laughs> yeah yeah it's designed to hook everybody because like you said who wouldn't be interested in deep learning who wouldn't be interested in thinking who wouldn't be interested in, like you said, changing the world? I mean, they are the masters of word manipulation. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to tell someone that it's word manipulation when they just see it at face value. Yeah. yeah. That's that's awful. That they're that they're doing that behind parents' backs or just handing it to them and saying, here you go. And this is not a cheap book, by the way. This book retails for $33. <laughs> yes. It's a college-level book. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Giving it to junior and high school. Are, are you getting any sense from anybody, any interest at all, about individuals running against these school board members? Do we know the dates of when their, when their time is up? Yes, um, there is actually, especially in Bloomfield, there are a few parents that have stepped forward and announced that they will be running. There, um, the, I believe the filing date is in April, we'll see. New Haven and Foster Heights are coming up this election, this next election cycle. I think the filing date is in April. Um, of 2022 and then the next one will be the two years after that um, for the the Cox's Creek Bloomfield and Boston um, positions but yes there is definitely a movement to get other board members in there there is somebody that's stepping in to or that has announced or said that that he's going to step in and, and try and run for the New Haven position, and there's also somebody that is has stepped up to say they want to run for the, the Bloomfield position in, I guess, three more years. 
So that is def- that's a definite positive. Another positive to take away from the board meeting, and I'll send you a link to the video once it's finally published um, of the full meeting, is this this organized effort between parents and um, former educators to um, present to the board these facts and this data. It blindsided them. It really did. And you can see in in Mr. Bradley's reaction and in the board's reaction to a lot of the questions that were asked, they did not see this coming. He did a presentation for 20 minutes in the board meeting. The board meetings are notoriously long and painful and news media always leaves early, except we did have one hang around and actually do the full meeting and did a full report. And it was amazing. Um, But we did have some others that left early because it's just, it's, three hours long. We didn't get out of there until 8.40 and the meeting started at 5.30. So, but he did a a 20-minute presentation about the school merger and I think that's what he thought people were going to get up and speak about. But he had already discussed with each other that, you know, after looking at all this stuff coming out and all the data and all the things that have happened and the school culture falling apart and teachers leaving in droves, that the problem is his leadership. And so, you know, it was pretty well decided among the consensus was among our group was that he needs to go and that needs to be our focus. And I think it it, it completely blindsided them to be able to be two steps ahead, to be organized like that. um, It makes all the difference. Um, I've made a lot of new friends and these people are all super passionate about, you know, getting good education for our students and keeping good teachers and making sure we have leadership that we deserve. Um, because what we have now just is, it's, it's not leadership. It's tyranny, but yeah, it, it really, the, the, I think we completely blindsided them at the meeting with, with what we had to present. So that's a good That's a positive. No doubt about it. And You've said it yourself too. the The numbers of people that are showing up is increasing. Once once people hear this, they hear any of, of what's actually going on. It's not like they can just go back to their daily lives and act like it doesn't exist. I mean, it's in there now. The seed has been planted. And the thing that the that these Marxists don't understand, and they'll never understand it because they detest it which means they'll never spend any time learning about it, is they always underestimate freedom and independence. They hate it. And when people get angry that their freedom and independence is being taken away from them, in particular, on the back of a child, it's it's game over then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, and you have too, the anger in parents' voices and the anger on their faces, even while wearing a mask. You can see it, and you can hear it, and there's no getting rid of that. And with, again, and I'm, we mentioned this the last time we talked, but these other school boards around the nation that are being attacked by parents, this needs to happen more often, and it needs to happen in, in your area as well. And then if you, at the very least, Use that opportunity to communicate with the people in the room. And even, you know, again, having never done this, I can provide some, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's wishful thinking or just sort of a a, a superficial framework. But it seems like, 
an opportunity like that could also be used to connect with a local business person who has a large who has a venue where people could show up and 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 organize and talk about what's going on in the interest of taking back that school district because in that in, in that very room you know people will show up and you know because this pattern has already occurred where more people will show up the second time and the third time and the fourth time and you know that the enemy will be in that room also but it that doesn't matter if you even mention that you you know something like that should even be mentioned we know that the enemy is in this room we know that they're here and we don't care we're going to tell you what we're going to do and it's going to work and then it's then it almost becomes a door to door thing where you're going door to door to businesses with flyers that simply lay out who the board members are how they are pro communist pro marxist the superintendent you know without i mean you can you can name call without being sued for for slander but mm-hmm. um, even getting a lawyer on your side as to as to what you can say on a on a on a flyer or a pamphlet is an excellent thing to do because again you'll have some legal representation even on a uh, on a consultation basis uh, or a uh, what do they call them Con- um, retainer basis so if that if that's a step that gets made then you're already doing more than what they're doing because they think the enemy I'm sort of grouping them all together they think that they're just going to sit where they are and everybody's going to just comply. That's their that's their frame of mind. They're saying, well, we're already in control, so we're just going to do whatever we want, and everybody's just going to go along with it. And if they don't, we'll either fire them or we'll just go through with it anyway, which means the only option for the good guys, so to speak, is to unseat them. It uh-huh. it, it really is the only way. And you've got to go to the local businesses and tell these people, you know, knock on a door and say, um, I need to speak to the person who runs this establishment. And you tell that person, here's what's going on. You don't have to agree with us because we're involved and maybe you're not, but we wanted to let you know what's going on and we're running against these school board members and we want them out of this town. We want them out of this county. Same thing with the superintendent, same thing with the district officials, same thing with human resources. I mean, I'm putting the cart before the horse with, with, with those moves, but it really does have to start with people going after the school board members on a door-to-door basis, on a business-to-business basis, and then you either and then you find places to organize where you can share the information with parents and what's going on. And then you have to tell those people, hey, look, you got to go home and tell your students what's happening. You have to go home and tell other your friends and family what's going on. And and again, I can't emphasize this enough. The importance of students knowing what's going on in that district from an administrative level, regardless of their age, is beyond appropriate. They have to know that. You have to start telling elementary, middle school, high school students, what these people have in mind for them. I couldn't agree more. And and, okay. and it's going to piss them off. They're going to yeah. hate it. They're going to hate it. I have been, me, my husband and I have been more than open this whole time with our kids about this is what's going on. It's not right. This is what you should be doing. 
And yes, they are all, they're all their own little independent thinkers, but you know, they, they're, they see it and they come home and they talk about it and they point it out like, yeah, mom, this is what's happening. They did it again or they did this. So absolutely tell your kids, get them involved, get them to speak out too. They have their voice matters too. You got to get rid of those school board members. Mm-hmm. That's it. You buy Bradley yes. out of his contract. He'll walk away with a quarter mil. Um, I don't know how long his contract is, but you, 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 you've got to take over that school board before they rewrite his contract and before they extend his contract. If he's got another 10 years to go, I mean, hey, look, uh, the district has the money. And they'll find the money to get rid of him. And unfortunately, people like him, without a strong human reason, you know, and again, that's, you know, it's just awful. It's, it's, that, that's, where, that's where then you would have to move very quickly. Because as you're getting rid of him, you've got to get rid of human resources. You know, I mean, I'm, now I'm talking about the, the actual employment and the, the, the uh, procedural steps, you know, once... Once something like that happens, where you take over the school board, I mean, you've got to. You can't go after. You can't go after one person at a time. You've got to. It has to be a multi-pronged approach where you're where you're you're draining the swamp from all corners of the swamp and pushing it all toward the drain at the same time. Yes. Because again, it, 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 let's let's think really far down the line here, just hypothetically. You take over the school board. You fill it with patriots and freedom-loving Americans. Move one. Move two, you get rid of Bradley, but you keep human resources and you keep the district officials and the district investigators who are all, as we've as we've discussed, sort of inbred and they they know each other and it's the good old boy system and X Y Z. Those people are going to write Bradley a raving review and a raving letter of recommendation so that he can go to another district and destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's why you've got to get rid of, of of people who are in human resources. That's why that's the next step, because they'll defend him. Not just that. From what I've seen so far, it wouldn't just be you know all these these districts, you know, people that are for this stuff. Um, they would have his ear they would have his direction and they would be still, they would still be operating under things he wants to do. He would still be there. He would still have a foot in the door. Not, not if, yeah, but I, I, I if if you don't get rid of them, that's right. He's still there. He's still there. His philosophies are still there. That's right. His terrible leadership is still there. The people that he put in place that are making teachers lives miserable they're still there. Yep. They're still doing the same things. Yep. That's why. So it's not just about making sure he's not in another district. It's about making sure this is completely clean, cleaning house so that start fresh, start with good leadership, get the right people in the right positions. It's going to take a long time to get Nelson County Schools back where it needs to be to excel. But it's going to take getting rid of the people that are making it miserable right now, getting rid of cleaning house completely. And the irony is that the answer to bringing it back to where it needs to be is right next door in your private school, isn't it? Yes. The answer, 
Go ahead. It's even in a public school. Bardstown Independent has has gotten two, three, maybe. I think it's three New Haven teachers and former administrators. Bardstown Independent School has kept their staff, and they have been a district of excellence. The state awards districts of excellence, and they've had that um, in the past couple of years. So they're doing it right, and they're a public school. There you have it. It's absolutely right next door. <laughs> yeah. So this business of, well, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? It's actually not that tough from a construction standpoint, because again, the answers are all around. You've just got this one, uh, you've got this one cancerous growth right there. And you just, it just has to be cut out. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no little drops of medicine that are going to get rid of it. It has to be cut out. That's, that's my take. That's my professional opinion. I've always, that's, that, that's, you know, that's always been my approach because, um, you know, there's the old who line from the band, the who, you know, a new boss, same as the old boss. They can get rid of one person and say, well, we're not going to do this. You know, look, that person's gone, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, if you, if you don't cut out the entire thing, it'll grow back. And I just want to point out to Nelson County parents, if you don't remember the Anthony Orr administration and how bad it was for teachers then, this is so much worse. It's the same tactics. It's the same things happening, but on a much larger scale. So, yes, we, we're seeing it happen all over again, except with it, it's with one of our own. It's with a Nelson County and and that makes it harder, but it makes it all the more, it, it just, it just means we have to absolutely work harder to, to get this done about the, uh, the chamber of commerce stuff I found. So give you, I'll give you kind of a rundown on that. The type talent pipeline management is a, a chamber U S chamber of commerce, commerce initiative that was started in 2016. It, um, they are, you can find videos on this stuff. It's all over YouTube. They are, their mission is to put the the workforce, the talent management, and education into the hands of employers so that employers are receiving a product, their words, not mine. They're they're getting a product, a return on their investment into education. So you have these industries that are poking into education to push it in a certain direction to benefit their industry. And it's all being rolled out by the Chamber of Commerce. You can, the videos that they have, a lot of the same language starts showing up in a lot of this workforce development stuff that I'm finding throughout our schools. Um, even the, the recent graduate that I spoke to last night that gave me the book um, the, to read, um, she was saying that, you know, like the, a lot of the stuff that they're, they're doing, you know, like, oh, that's a Thomas Nelson thing. Well, Thomas Nelson is Wes Bradley's baby. He was the first principal there. Um, and it's... This has been this. I think it's all this education stuff coming from the deep learning, um, the new pedagogies people, as well as the U.S. commerce. Those things together are what are driving Wes Bradley to do what he's doing. And I have I have been working with my colleague on gathering information and evidence and, and trying to work it up into a presentable format. I'm going to use my old blog 
to start reporting on it and using that as a as my press credential so I could start interviewing people. Um, so it, it's it's definitely huge. It's huge, and if if it goes well, it's going to rock education in Kentucky to its core because the people involved, because of the politicians involved. If it doesn't go well, then just know that, you know, it's been fun, Sean. I'll see you later. They cut my brake line. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, one time when I called, uh, and we're joking about death, which isn't funny, but, <laughs> uh, the, the one we're time when Ohio, it's, a, it's an Ohio thing. It's a morbid sense of humor. There you go. So yeah, we're, we're just, we're, uh, only a river separates the two of us. So we, uh, <laughs> We were, we were, we got our, we got crossways on, on when we were going to talk one time and I texted Vanessa and I said, okay, ready when you are. And I didn't hear anything for like 45 minutes. And honest to God, I thought to myself, okay, let's see. Her brake lines have been cut. Uh, her phone's been destroyed. She's running around trying to find a way to contact me. Maybe I made a mistake. Whatever, and then it was about then when you emailed and you were like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm at work, I'm doing this." You know, I, I thought that we yeah. had this date, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, she's not dead." All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. If um. Yeah. It, it's. Yeah, we're I mean, not. It, we're, it we're, we're not suicidal. So yeah. <laughs> if uh, in our in our automobiles are in working condition, so keep that in mind, everybody. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it, it's it's um the things we're finding though the things I'm finding is it's huge and I just don't have it in a I don't have enough gathered to really present well the things that I'm I'm learning but it's coming and it's big. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.